Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal, to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. One other thing I want to mention to you on feedback, you know, that study that we did, they showed that the top three most important ways that employees around the world feel like they belong. And this is particularly important for millennial and Gen Z. So mm -hmm. anybody could do this for any of their colleagues, et cetera, is one-on-one -on -one check ins. Yes. Uh -huh. so, so if I work for you, Monica, you call me to check in on me. How am I mm -hmm. doing personally, professionally? Mm -hmm. Not checking up on my work. But how am I doing? How are you doing? It doesn't have to be a big deal. doesn't have to be super long. Mm -hmm. That's the number one way. Also, including people properly in meetings and things with their peers is very important. The third one is actually feedback. Yes. You know, it has such a negative connotation. No different than like the word pivot sometimes has a negative yes. connotation. The reality is that's not. Every great team pivots. Mm -hmm. Feedback is a gift. And the, the good news is that people, when they're given feedback properly, mm -hmm. actually makes them feel more like they belong because then somebody pays attention to that. Are you ready to supercharge your career and foster a deeper sense of belonging at work? I'm Monica Marquez, your host, and today I am thrilled for a captivating conversation with my esteemed colleague, Karen Tornight, Global DE&I Officer at EY. Boasting a remarkable 30-year tenure, Karen unveils her extraordinary journey, offering insights into championing diversity and inclusion while embracing new experiences. From reshaping feedback perspectives to the pivotal role of belonging in today's workplace, we cover it all. Gain insights into navigating career pivots and accelerating your journey through sponsorship and mentorship. Buckle up for a career boost and a tighter-knit professional community. Visit GoBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with our special guest. Welcome, Karen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. I am thrilled to have you here today. You and I have a long history of working together in DEI, and I've always been inspired by your bold strategies and the way that you are a champion for diversity and inclusion. I'd love for you to dive right in and tell us a little bit about your story, your journey, what you've learned along the way, and really what's brought you here where you are today. Well, I'm thrilled to be uh, a guest of Beyond Barriers today. I am currently EY's Global Diversity, Equity, and Inclusiveness Officer. And in that capacity, I am responsible for diversity, equity, and inclusion across our 400,000 employees, yes. across 150 countries. In that capacity, some of the fun parts are that unlike other corporations, we're mm -hmm. a little bit different in that we're a um, professional services partnership and we do accounting, transaction tax, all those kinds mm -hmm. of exciting and consulting, exciting disciplines. But unlike other companies, what's a little different is that the average age here at our firm is around 28 years old or mm -hmm. so. And yeah. uh, about 80 plus percent of our population are Gen Z and millennial, uh, which really um, I think is fantastic. I've been with EY for over 30 years. I've had the benefit 
of having many different opportunities within one. So I actually feel like I'm one of those people that didn't have a linear career in one particular company. And because of the vastness of our work and the entrepreneurial style of our work, it has afforded me to have many little mini careers within one big one. Mm -hmm. I like that you mentioned how you had a lot of different opportunities within EY, because As we see many times now, it's not the norm that an individual stays at a single organization like you have. They end up jumping from place to place when they are looking for new opportunities. But what we try to share with individuals at Beyond Barriers is that you shouldn't do that. Before you jump ship or go somewhere else, you should really look inside your organization, right? You should be intentional on really understanding what your organization has to offer, right? Because there are tons of opportunities within your organization that if you just did your homework or you just reached out to understand where you might fit in and where you could repot yourself, you could hold on to all of that social capital that you've already built within your organization. Can you share a little bit about all of the different opportunities you had within EY and how they were presented to you? Yes, absolutely. I had an opportunity a few times in different capacities that different managing partners in leadership as well as our former CEOs in a few different capacities had afforded me different opportunities that they'd approach me with to try something new, Mm -hmm. start something new, build something new. For example, the first one that came to me was a number of years into my career and Mm -hmm. uh, the managing partner asked me to do a rotation into human resources. In those days, they would call it, I want you to carry my bag, so to speak. Mm -hmm. and learn and come and do that. And we've never had anybody in this capacity before. And we want you to do it. I said, well, I don't, I don't understand why you're asking me to do that. I'm a tax Mm -hmm. accountant and I don't have that discipline. I know I don't know that, but they were very creative and they wanted someone that had skills in the area, but Mm -hmm. also had followership and had the ability to create and make impact. And to be honest with you, at first, as I said, I was a little uh, apprehensive on doing it because Mm -hmm. it wasn't my exact career path. I had a path in mind, next five to 10 years of exactly what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. I knew there'd be bumps along the way. I knew there would be great stuff along the way, but I I knew that that the path of people that had come before me and I couldn't quite see this path. Mm -hmm. And so that was a little unusual for me. Mm -hmm. So to be honest with you, Monica, I wasn't inclined at first to say yes. I wasn't smart enough to jump at it. I learned that in my older age to, to be smart <laughs> enough to at least jump at it when, when you check out who's doing the asking. Uh-huh. But I talked to my father and I said, I think I'm going to say no. And he said, why would you do that? And I said, well, because this isn't my path for the next three to five years. What? And, and then beyond that, what I've set out to do and I've gone to graduate school at night and I've done all this and they tell me I'm good at this. Why are they asking me to do something different if I'm, I'm supposedly good at this? I don't yeah. understand. Uh-huh. And he said to me some really good advice. Perhaps you could just step back and realize these are really smart people mm-hmm. that try really innovative and new things. And he's telling you he wants to try something new with you. What's the harm in trying? And he was right, of course. And also he was right that he said, and if you don't like it, he told you, you don't have to stay doing it. It's a rotation mm-hmm. and you could yes. do something. And, and he said, and you're not going to be less smart or less technical six months from now, or even two years from now, it, it, it'll be fine. Perhaps you want to take this road with this gentleman and give mm-hmm. it a try. 
So I mentioned that because that was my first pivot, so to speak. Yes. And that I do fully believe in embracing the pivot now. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out very well for me personally, as well as I think it's worked out well for my mm-hmm. firm that I have learned to embrace the pivot and embrace when somebody brings an idea to you. But to be quite candid, I had to learn that mm-hmm. and I had to practice that because it wasn't innate, because you, you feel like you're going to be shaken or lose your confidence or more nervous if somebody brings you something that's a different, a different fork in the road. And what do they say? If you see a fork in the road or get approached where it, take it. And that, that was something that I had to learn and practice. And mm. so from there, over the years, I was offered different opportunities. And again, this time, at least I knew how the concept of if somebody invites you on a rocket ship, you don't ask which seat, you just jump on. Yes, I love that. Oh, my goodness. I love your entire journey and the power in the pivot. I, I think just really honing in on all the pivots that you've made. And the fascinating thing, it's been under one organization. So it's a testament that there's all kinds of opportunities under one roof. You just have to be willing to take that opportunity, like you said. But I want to drill down into, you talked about the power of learning and how you immersed yourself. And and that's significant in all of those pivots, because you said there was some apprehension of, I don't have expertise in that area. My expertise is here, but you still moved forward despite the uncertainty and the idea of immersing yourself and learning and getting and doing those listening tours, I think is extremely powerful, which now makes total sense on why I remember loving when I, my years at EY was that you were always open to how DEI, how everything is evolving and shifting and some obvious changes within DEI that took place since 2011, when you took the thing of Black Lives Matter, recent movements, all of those things. Can you sum up in those years that you've been in DEI, how it has shifted? And even now there's lots of chatter around DE and I and those initiatives. And there was a big swell where everybody was hiring leaders. And now we're seeing some of that die down. Can you talk about the differences between DEI now than it was 10 years ago and where you see it going? Absolutely. And the, the interesting thing about this space is it's not for the faint of heart, no. but I would tell you if you want diversity in your work and a dynamic environment, with a lot of things being thrown at you so that you have to react to on behalf of your business, but you also have to have a a significant element of strategic proactivity. Like you have to lean forward and push to keep things fresh and to keep it moving. You Mm -hmm. can't just, you can't just spend your time reacting. And I think how it's evolved over time. I Mm -hmm. think even if you think about the, I think about 20 years ago, the diversity space, let's just even think about topically, For example, it was primarily about gender and then it was race Mm -hmm. and ethnicity. And that's, of course, such a U.S. uh, terminology that isn't used around the rest of the world necessarily. And Mm -hmm. then it expanded to be LGBT plus and then disability. So it was very compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. I think that was a fantastic start, but it also created a lot of fatigue in the system and confusion in the system, et cetera. So to speak that people that came in as practitioners later had to earn out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what we do see is peaks and valleys where the dynamism of the roles Mm -hmm. and the diversity responsibilities go up and down. 
And you can see that in other business disciplines as well, but it becomes, you know, a bit more volatile and it creates a bit more on the media attention because you're talking about in the concept of diversity is changing power dynamics. That's very real for people and it means different things to people at different times. So that's where I think you also see this type of mm -hmm. up and down. And I would say we read about different DNI roles going away. And certainly I've seen some of that, but I don't know that it's as dire as people believe to be. For right. example, right. there are job opportunities that come across my desk, not for me necessarily, but for my network every day. Yes. So there are plenty of outstanding companies that remain invested, doubling down, making huge strides and mm -hmm. continuing on with their commitments. Might they modify how they talk about things or might they modify their approaches for mm -hmm. example, their approaches with universities that might have different uh, restrictions around the world or in the United States, things like that, you definitely see. But I would say some of these peaks mm -hmm. are really tremendous for people to understand the complexity of what we're talking about in shifting power dynamics, right? Mm -hmm. and, and understanding historical context, in uh, understanding local cultural context, and I would expect these peaks and valleys to continue. And I, I think it's a wonderful time to be in d and I. I think it's a very complicated time, but I do think it's mm -hmm. a wonderful time because it's incredibly necessary within companies. And I'm not saying that just because I do that. Think about mm -hmm. this. Xenophobia is at an all-time high. Polarization, political pressures, tensions, wars, tensions across many spectrums from what I'm seeing in different surveys that we've done, et cetera these tensions continue to rise and more and more of our people are bringing like an extra backpack to work every yes. day. Yes. And to answer your question also holistically and how things have changed, I would say whether it's DEI or other business levers, in particular things that impact humans, mm -hmm. people are expecting more and more of their companies than they ever have. Yes. That's real. 10 years ago, it was, okay, well, that's relevant for Ernst & Young to get involved with at mm -hmm. the time. And this is not. Mm -hmm. And this we talk about and this we don't. And it wasn't that there was a fear. Maybe some mm -hmm. people had a fear, but it wasn't it just, it wasn't done. And, right. and people didn't need that from Ernst & Young. Or maybe they did, but they just didn't ask for it or want it or crave it. Nor did we have clients demanding different mm -hmm. types of things from us and that we run that kind of inclusive and first organization that they can pull from. That, that's another huge lever for us, which is fantastic. And mm -hmm. I love that they pulled for that and they asked for that. But back to a change, I don't see that change is going to be going away for the future and that employees are going to continue to need more support. And they are also going to continue to crave to be treated as an individual more and more. Mm. which is really hard for large companies. They're pretty big. It's, it almost seems insurmountable. And that's probably why we haven't seen it in the past. One, the demand wasn't there. And now the demand is there. And also people don't want to be just part of a label or part of a cohort. Mm. They're, they're inter intersectional beings that represent yes. many, that are multifaceted. And they're mm. bringing many of these identities to, to work. And these multifaceted identities make them a really complex professional that expects to be treated uniquely mm -hmm. and without the expectations of conformity. Mm -hmm. And that's a real significant cultural implication for the future. What if you knew exactly where to focus to go further, faster? 
Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers and the ability to take action and gain unstoppable momentum to deliver results in advance. Take the Beyond Barriers Momentum Metric Quiz to get a personalized report on the five C's, core categories used to measure and accelerate success. Visit gobeyondbarriers.com slash quiz to get your report today. We recently launched a Belonging Barometer 3.0 survey. We do a lot of internal listening with our people a couple times a year, and we mm -hmm. go pretty deep and we hold ourselves accountable on that. But we also check what's happening outside in the world to get a holistic view. And we found my point on employees' expectations, a few things we learned. One, we learned that for three quarters of all age groups, that DEI reminds a prioritization and, ex and an expectation of employees in selecting a company and staying with a company. So that mm -hmm. probably busts some of the myths that we hear in the media yes. that it doesn't matter to people. Clearly, it doesn't matter to some people. 26% of the people said it's not a priority to me. That doesn't right. mean that they're negative. They're just not a priority. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's the world go around, right? Yeah. But three quarters... And that number continues to rise, in particular, important for Gen Z and millennial yes. um, professionals in their selection. And some companies might say, oh, we're in a down economy, there's recession, et cetera. We're in the driver's seat. We don't really have to do some of those things. That's sure. You don't have to do anything. But right. you do make certain business decisions and you make those decisions for the long term. And, and mm -hmm. the reality is, for us, DEI is a business lever that we mm -hmm. treat and we monitor and we measure constantly, just like we do all of our other business metrics. It's right. not a soft, touchy-feely passion place, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But going back to employee sentiment, the expectations of employees that they consider their greatest sense of belonging is at mm -hmm. work, second yes. only to home. And that right. is above places of worship, and their communities. Mm -hmm. That's huge. That is a reality on people hoping that their workplaces can offer more. Now that almost is a is such a high bar. I don't know that we, we really try to work at this, Monica. Mm -hmm. We don't always get it right. We are trying to work at this and we're trying to get better to meet those expectations mm -hmm. because this level of belonging is really important. And we know that it's important. I know that the, the concept of belonging sounds like a squishy word to people. Mm -hmm. And it certainly was. We launched it about seven years ago as a, a cultural lever for us. Mm -hmm. And it took some growing into because the word sounds so soft. And yes, but the reality is the business benefits when employees feel like they belong, they have higher productivity, higher engagement. They have um, three and a half times more innovation. Yes. Um, and then the best part is they have greater physical and mental and health and well-being. So it's one of the only business levers that's a win, not just for a company to win, mm -hmm. but for employees to win the too. Individual as well. And so we can do more and more to allow people to feel like they can belong and be themselves, be part of a team, not have to conform, and that they have a safety net, so to speak. That's incredibly valuable to uh, a management team and, and in a company like ours that provides mm -hmm. client service. In the client service we provide, it impacts quality, accuracy, et cetera. This is, again, another piece of research or survey study that EY is known for. And I remember they're such powerful tools. And what I love is that 
you all share it publicly. It's like, here's this research, let's share it so everybody can learn from it, which I think is phenomenal. One of the one of the pieces that I found very intriguing was that two thirds, 66% of workers still feel that there are barriers to advancement within their companies. And 24% felt that companies do not provide them with the right resources for them to advance. And so would love to hear a little bit about our company beyond barriers. I mean, I took some of the things that I learned at EY and what, and it's an extension of that, of helping individuals, primarily women and BIPOC professionals who are in that middle rung, right? That the broken rung where it's really hard for them to advance. They have these unique set of challenges that they face in advancing their career what are you seeing in terms of where are they getting stuck? And I loved what you said, because it goes back to even what you've embraced your entire career of being intentional on driving your own career and being intentional on learning. Even if your organization wasn't giving it, you asked your boss at the time, can you support me so that I can go get this other certification so that I can upskill myself? Can you talk a little bit about where you see individuals getting stuck and whether or not they have agency to do the learning for themselves? Yes, absolutely. And I think you're right. You do have to focus on yourself and you have to be your best advocate. Mm -hmm. But there, I think there are a number of other levers that can help with that, which I can get to. But I would say that first and foremost, we spend a lot of time talking about women and people of color and ways to help them remove barriers, fill gaps, whatever it might be. But I think we also have to be really clear that we, so I would say mm -hmm. this for my own firm, our focus is not on fixing the women or fixing the people of right. color. Yes. It's on fixing our environment. It's not mm -hmm. on them to do that. So let's be clear. It's about the environment. So we have to do things very intentionally on removing barriers, unintended barriers, process barriers, things around talent process, so that some of those things go away. Mm -hmm. And it's up to institutions to do that. And that's not easy to do. It's easy for me to say. And right. we've been on a journey to do that. We particularly through our global social equity work the last few years, we doubled down on removing these barriers mm -hmm. and helping to uplift, as an example, women and people of color around the world. Mm -hmm. um, but while doing that, we had to get our housekeeping in order right. to make sure that promotions are equitable. I'm giving examples. Pay yes. is equitable. Staffing on assignments is equitable. And are we there yet? Do we have all of our staffing on assignments equitable? No, that's my dream. And we will, but we're not <laughs> quite there yet. But as for things that people maybe could give some thought to for themselves as they're working through this, because perhaps they also work for an organization that's removing these barriers, great. But that's quite often not enough because you do right. have to advocate for, for yourself. You know your gaps more than anybody else. Two things that I would suggest. Studies show that women and people of color are less likely to receive real-time feedback. Mm, you know, yes. the on-the-job feedback, the on-the-way-back-in-the-cab feedback, the way on the back in the airplane from your customer feedback are less likely to do it. And virtual working doesn't necessarily make that any easier. Certainly makes some things easier mm -hmm. for people's professional portfolio, but not necessarily on real-time feedback. So mm. a suggestion I have on that, that I put into practice myself and I recommend to anyone to do is really swing that door open on feedback. Ask for that informal feedback right then and there. How did that go? How mm. did I do? What do you think I could have done better? This way you don't yes. get a, yes, it was fine because people don't necessarily want to upset somebody. 
Yes. And yes. I do this still, and I do it with all levels. I don't mm-hmm. just do it with my CEO boss, mm-hmm. right? To tell me what I could do better, but I do it with my teams and my peers and my colleagues too, because tell me real time. It's not going to hurt my feelings. I'm not going to cry. I promise. Just tell me. And, and if I do I, cry, just hand me a tissue. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's yeah. something that you can practice your entire career, whether you're a senior person or a junior person, just ask, what, well, what would you have done differently? What could I have done differently? And guess what? You're going to get the information. Yes. yes. And if you, because if you do that and you make yourself open to it, you will get it. And mm-hmm. even if it's this much, those are a gift. I remember I worked for a, a very difficult gentleman at one point and I it was pretty scary to ask him for feedback on a pretty regular basis, but I did. I sucked it up and I did it. And, but I learned a lot. He gave me tremendous mm-hmm. feedback. And, and when he was one piece of feedback was, if you know what, if you know what you're talking about and we know, you know, what you're talking about, you have the credibility, you have the reputation, you have the technical know-how in whatever content you have. So say you have that gravitas and depth, mm-hmm. you don't have to say so much. Don't say mm-hmm. so much. Just say this, leave this out, leave that out. So sorry for people that may not be uh, visually looking at this, but basically truncating it to Mm -hmm. just make the point, because basically, if you know your stuff, just make your point. People trust it. They know that you know what you're talking about and move on and people will hear it more versus all these extraneous words. Yes. That's so crazy. I got frivolous feedback, but it was (laughs) great feedback. Yeah. And then over time you practice it and you realize Mm -hmm. he's right. Why do I have to say all of that? I don't have to say it. I can just say it. And this is my point of view. You like it or you don't like it, or you trust it or you don't. And then we move on. So swinging the door open for feedback is a huge one. I love that you reframed feedback as a gift and taking the negativity out of it, right? Because everybody cringes when they hear the word feedback. And many of us, sometimes feedback is just like a a punch to the gut, right? Like, oh my God, like I'm doing something wrong. So we shy away from it and we, we avoid conflict or we avoid the painful thing. When you do get feedback and it stings a little, how do you process it? Look, if it's feedback, that's truly upsetting, which happens to all of us, Mm -hmm. you can just say, okay, thank you for telling me. Can you tell me more? Tell me a little bit more context. Can you give me a little bit more of your insights on it? How would you process this feedback? Do you have any other thoughts or suggestions? Do you have any advice Mm, for me? And by the way, this could go for any level that's giving you that feedback. Yes. That would be my recommendation. The other thing is if if it's truly upsetting, and I've done this myself, so I'm not suggesting you do anything that's not. I, I was on vacation and my boss had to give me some crazy feedback on something. And he called me on vacation off the beach to tell me. And so I was a little shocking, but he Mm -hmm. was just being forthright with me and telling me it's not the end of the world, but it was still a little shocking. So Mm -hmm. I was a little upset. And I said, can I call you back later? I just want to think about it a few minutes. He said, yeah, definitely. Call me later. So I called him. I got myself together, complained to my husband a little bit, Um, (laughs) got my thoughts together, wrote a little few notes, prepared a little bit, and then, then asked him to call me back. And we talked through it and mm-hmm. it's never usually as bad, even if it feels bad at first, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. bad. In, in all fairness, the feedback he was giving me was leading to something really good. Mm-hmm. It just was a little shocking, right? Yeah. But I would rather know than not know. And mm-hmm. it was, and it ended up being something that was actually a very big positive, mm-hmm. but the first reaction is a bit upsetting. So I think you can always ask for a power of a pause. You know, mm-hmm. can I just step away for a few minutes? Would you mind? Can I come back in an hour? Could I come back in 20 minutes? And people are human and they understand it. And you can just mm-hmm. be authentic. 
get yourself together and, and talk again. And if you need the night and ask if you can talk later or talk over the weekend, I, I haven't seen anybody ever say no. Mm. I certainly don't. And I, I think that's quite doable. And mm -hmm. people are really pretty open to that. And mm -hmm. I think it's better than just shutting down and not getting more information. Mm. Because for example, if I hadn't talked to my boss that second time, I might not have known all the good stuff that went with the part that really hit me. What do they say that you pay attention to the negative 17 times more than the positive? Yes, so exactly. It hits, hits you harder. Meanwhile, I really didn't pay attention to these other four things that he was saying to me. Mm -hmm. so he would say, Kara, do you hear what I'm saying to you? And the reality is, no, that first time I didn't really hear that. Mm -hmm. But the second time, yeah, okay. Yeah, then I heard it. And mm -hmm. it wasn't like he was trying to make me feel better because he's not that kind mm -hmm. of a guy. But that's usually how things process because also your, your brain has to open up a little bit so you can really actively listen. Mm -hmm. One other thing I want to mention to you on feedback, that study that we did, they showed that- Yes, someone cares enough to give you the feedback. Yeah. Exactly. And the reality is if you don't swing that door open for feedback, if you don't ask people on a regular basis, how did I do? What did you think of that project? Did you like that document I wrote? Did you like that speech? Did you like that client presentation? Did you like the deck? Whatever it is, you don't ask on every single one. You're also missing out on the opportunity to feel like you belong and not in a fake way, in a real mm -hmm. way. I often give people feedback on every single thing that they do because I try, I'm not trying to be annoying and I'm not trying to be particular, but I'm trying to also show people you do work. I do work. Mm -hmm. You do a production for me. I owe it to you to review it and give you comments. I give you just a fine. Yeah. Maybe once in a while it is just fine or great or good. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. But if I give you these three things, I would suggest that's because I want you to know that I care about you. I care about your work and I want you to continue to learn and build. Yes. Otherwise you have no way of building. So I, that's just a, a, a final point on the feedback component, Monica. That is so powerful. And again, that goes to that reframe of feedback being a gift. The person giving you that feedback cares about you. It's one of those things that feedback really is what helps you advance in your career. Absolutely. And it helps you pivot when you need to, right? Like, okay, Absolutely. I need to pivot and do something different or I need to, to get better. So I love the fact that feedback really is a gift. And that's also needing to tap into your community, right? Of identifying those mentors, those sponsors, those truth yes. tellers who are going to give you the feedback that you may not be getting otherwise. Well, and you've nailed it there too, Monica, because that would be my second point because it does tie into that is, and I know that my, my dear friend, Erica Irish Brown recently talked to you about mentors and sponsors. Mm -hmm. I'll do my best not to repeat anything. Oh. Um, but I know we share a lot of the same philosophy on this particular topic and the concept of especially women and people of color, they tend to be over-mentored and under-sponsored. Yes. Many people know that. Some people don't. And the reality is you need both. Yes. And how I look at it is a mentor talks with you and a sponsor talks about you. Mm. And in particular, when you're not in the room. Okay. Mm -hmm. But the reality is a mentor can provide coaching and advice, all relevant. But a sponsor is also somebody that can provide all of those things. Or maybe not, mm -hmm. but they can help you to advance or get visibility or opportunities. Yes. Quite often people say, I don't even know if I have a sponsor or not. And how do I get one? But do I even have one? Well, the reality is if you've gotten promoted in the last few years, you probably have one. And also work to have more than one. 
because mm-hmm. quite often your sponsors will lean on other sponsors in times of need yeah. and in times when extra support is needed. And, and I've seen that myself. And the reality is sponsors are also incredibly important on the feedback loop that yes. you were talking about, Monica, mm-hmm. because at times when I had different pivots, my sponsors were phenomenal in helping me. Do I take this? Do I not take this? What do I look out for? What are some pitfalls? What should I think about? How do I say yes? Or even once, how do I say no as well? Um, you know, what's the right way to handle this? I was asked to relocate once many years ago. I might have actually been potentially interested, but one of my sponsors did some digging and found out that the opportunity that I was being afforded, I was being offered six months later in New York. And mm-hmm. he knew that. I did not know that. So had they come to me, I might have gotten my family all. Blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> and that's okay to explore yeah. it. But he basically shut it down saying, no, she's not going to take that because she's going to be offered that here in New York. And we want her to take it here in New York instead, mm-hmm. because I'm part of a dual career family and all that. And that would be a little less upheaval. And this way they knew they weren't shorting me. And mm-hmm. this way they were doing the, a better thing for the firm because the mobility yes. aspect of it and all of that. Mm. So the sponsor feedback loop is huge. I highly recommend building that book of relationships including multiple sponsors. I love that. And that is so powerful to understand is that you do have to cultivate that, cultivate those relationships because um, very similar to like Carla Harris, who always says, who's carrying your paper into that room, right? And you have to create those opportunities of visibility so more sponsors can see you. But I love how you said mentors will talk with you and sponsors will talk about you. And that is so important. But part of it is you have to give that information to those sponsors so they know what to talk about. And I think that's right. the other powerful thing as well. And and people tend to be quite modest, in particular yes. women and people of color. Exactly. And the reality is you do have to, I think it's uh, worded by Catalyst as such from 20 years ago, but it's st- I still see it stands true. Make your accomplishments known. Yes. And prepare and plan and personalize for every single networking event, every single meeting you're going to. And I don't mean to make you crazy on prep. I don't mean that. Yeah. Meaning just head. Okay. So these three people that don't really know this huge project I've been completing mm-hmm. are going to be at this event. Perhaps when they come and they ask me, how are you doing? You don't say, oh, I'm fine. Right. It was good. This you say, oh, everything's good. And I don't know if you know that the whole team just delivered this big project last week and we got fantastic reviews from the customer or from the client. That's huge. And guess what? You go from the back of their mind to the front of their mind. Yes. And they know that about your aura, your reputation, your brand. And it only took 30 seconds to plan it and 30 seconds to properly say it. So yes, I do also recommend making your accomplishments known wherever you can. And and it's not bragging, it's business. It is. And I love that you said that because all of the individuals who go through our our performance accelerator, we always tell them, what do you want to be known for? What's your unique value proposition? And you have to be able to share that story with others so they can share the story for you on your behalf behind closed doors. So I love that you gave that example. It's so tangible. I could talk to you forever, but I know we're coming up on time. So I'm going to shift and change gears to our lightning round questions, which are always fun because they tell us a little bit more about you. 
But let's kick off with what book has greatly influenced you? I'm one of those people where I, I think because I have a front row seat to amazing leaders around the world every day. I don't read a lot of leadership books. I read them on Sundays because I have to. Yeah. My personal <laughs> pleasure is to read books about people and culture yes. and faraway places. So as far as really influencing me that I could, that like we authentically would ask me would be people, books about people's lives, like The Glass Castle by Jeanette yes. Walls or The White Tiger or Kite Runner. Mm -hmm. um, because you can really immerse yourself in different cultures. And I've often found that I like to read books like that. What is your favorite inspiring quote or saying? I don't know that it's inspiring, but it activates me. It was a quote my dad used to say, but I think it was based off of a quote by Wayne Gretzky, that it's always no unless you ask. Mm. The answer is always no unless you ask. And I think when Wayne Gretzky says, you miss a hundred percent. You miss a hundred percent of the shots if you don't take them. If I'm making, trying to make a decision on something, whether asking or intervening yeah. or jumping in for somebody or not, it's worth trying. What is one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? I've had I had a coach many years ago, an executive coach, and and she had done all these three sixties and all of that kind of stuff. And her word that she used, which stuck with me because I actually think that it's true, is I'm a connector. Mm. I like to authentically like to connect people, not just because people give me energy and I love to learn from their culture and their uniqueness, but also I like to connect people for opportunities or for jobs or for their children yeah. or to help combat loneliness because that's mm. something that they're struggling with or to help with their belonging. I think the word that she shared with me, and I hadn't really actually even heard the word before, but I would suggest that's probably authentically the best word to describe. I totally agree. I think you're the queen connector. So, so I think it, it totally suits you. I try. What, what is one change, a habit, a behavior, an action that you implemented that made your life better? Probably the biggest change was becoming a mom, mm. becoming a parent that absolutely has made my life better. And I would say you learn a lot from becoming a parent for those that choose to do that. It's certainly been a learning and humbling process, and it's certainly been helpful for me in also how I prioritize what's important and not every day the same, probably every day different. Empathy, understanding, I think it also helped me to become a better worker, a better boss, a better colleague and friend. And Probably a better daughter too after you become a parent. So that actually, I'm, I'm not necessarily advocating that for everybody because it's yeah. not for choice. But for me, that was a critical action. So here's the final and one of my favorite questions. EY is a huge organization. You're always going on stage and speaking, and there's always thousands of people in the audience. What is that power song that you want playing as you walk out onto stage? Thank you for asking that because I have to tell you, they do a beautiful job here uh -huh. and they put all these great power songs on but they never asked me what I want so <laughs> some of the songs that they have put on have nothing to do with my topic I'll tell you what I if I had to pick a song that is also representative of what I do and by the way I don't think people would even know it probably <laughs> but it's been sung by a number of different musicians over the years but it's uh -huh. called every kind of people mm. by Robert Palmer mm. Yes. And basically, it, it, the words are, it takes every kind of people to make the world go round. Yes. And that sounds very, I don't mean to make it sound very Disney World. I'm just saying it's a great song. Yes. 
And it's very true. So I highly recommend it. I think Robert Palmer sings it and a few others. Uh, I love it. I love it. Well, well, we'll have check to out the song. check out this episode to the uh, teams, the planning teams. That's amazing. Well, Karen, as always, it's such a pleasure to have conversation with you. And I know that this is going to be an amazing episode that our podcast guests are going to just eat up. We always get this question afterwards. How can they connect with you? How do they follow you? How do they hear more of the Karenisms that the nuggets that you dropped? What's the best way? Certainly I'm on LinkedIn and other aspects of social. I don't do mm-hmm. Instagram. I do once in a while, but I'm, I, work gets in the way to do too many things. So LinkedIn yes. is probably the best way. Fantastic. The other thing is I do try to post different articles that profile some of the work that we're doing or different pieces of advice or some modern thinking here and there. And so at times the articles will be posted to from different media outlets. Yes. Um, and I'd welcome it. And I also welcome suggestions and ideas. I love um, it. And, and new things that people are uncovering or trying and, and things that have su- succeeded for them. Yes. And you know what? The other is we'll make sure we drop it on the website is the belonging barometer you study. You guys always list it on the website, on the DEI, the EY web- website. So we'll have links to that because there's so many rich resources of studies and surveys and uh, that your team has put together that's just phenomenal. So thank you again for your time. I hope to continue conversations in the future with you. And again, thank you. It was such an honor and pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. And we're so proud that you are uh, part of the EY extended family. And it was a lot of fun talking with you today. And I hope our paths cross again real soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend or share what you've learned on LinkedIn and tag us. We love hearing from our audience. Visit us at gobeyondbarriers.com where you can subscribe and find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests.